0: Another recap, part of Pastoring Out Loud, where we recap the previous week's sermon. Recap, or repentance is endemic to confession. We hope they're always progressing. It's my, my <laughs> acronym today. Bruce was uh, there and preaching on Justice 44. Yes. Right? And uh, the story of kind of uh, Joseph laying this trap, further laying this trap and springing it. Or helping the brothers to work through repentance. Bruce, thanks for preaching. It's a good, faithful sermon. Any, uh, well, just walk us through the text. What's Genesis 44 about? What was your outline?
1: Well, basically, uh, an overview of repentance at the beginning, just kind of defining our terms. And since the term repentance wasn't actually used in the text, um, just walking through the text and seeing the evidences of that particularly in the life of Judah, but you know, really in the life of all the brothers of Joseph. So the outline would basically be the first roughly half of the chapter. is it, uh, Verses 1 to 13 would cover uh, Joseph's test of them, which uh, was rather deceptive, but really didn't spend much time in the sermon dealing with, with that piece of it. Um, We can all understand why he felt the need to test his brothers, and I think that's the key point there. And then um, second half would be uh, particularly Judah's change, the transformation we see in Judah, especially if we look back over the last few chapters, roughly from where he was in Genesis chapter 37, when he was the one that came up with the idea to sell Joseph into slavery, all the way to here, where he's offering himself as a substitute for Benjamin, um, and that there is the gospel connection yep. uh, with Christ as our substitute. Yep,
0: no, I thought it was good. Uh, so, in as much as you were both conceptually talking about repentance, you know, for our own lives, but then like examining it through the lens of the brothers' lives. Have we seen other examples in Genesis? And Stacey, jump in here too, like, uh, or Ethan Michaelis, though you are, you know, other examples of repentance that are significant in Genesis up until now, or is this kind of the shining example of like, somebody's done wrong and now they seek to do right? Anything come to mind?
1: That's a good question. I don't know that I'd thought about other um, biblical characters that we've studied up until now, probably all of them, in, in some ways, shapes and forms, yep. have experienced repentance. But I think what was interesting about Judah and his brothers here is just, uh, that, that caught my attention, is that it, it took place, this transformation did not happen in a moment yeah, of time, decades. so mm-hmm. we yeah. American Christians tend to, with our revivalist background, tend to think of repentance as something Ooh, we do revivalism. at the beginning of the... <laughs> Of the Christian life, and then we don't need to do it anymore. Come on, Bruce! Um, don't
0: you like a little altar call at camp? I mean,
1: <laughs> that's fine. I, I know you. I have nothing to against, against altar pastor calls. someday, but <laughs> that's the beginning of your Christian life and uh, the beginning of okay. a life of okay. repentance. And so, mm-hmm. I did mention Martin Luther's famous quote that yeah, the Christian all life, yeah. all of the Christian life, is a life of repentance. Yeah, the first
0: of ninety-five theses. I mean, we have an altar call every single week at South Cities. Called Man. communion.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah,
0: like that's before uh, the revivalism of the Second Great Awakening. Uh, there was, I think, commonly in Protestant churches every week, a an opportunity for an altar mm-hmm. call. Uh, Pre-Civil War, yeah. not the things that came along with that. I was thinking not so much of a uh, a similar example in Genesis, but there's a descendant of Judah who similarly has his sin kind of put in his face in a really kind of immediate way. And he radically repents.
1: That would probably be David. David. Yeah, of. yeah.
0: Yeah. David. Similarly with, uh, I think I might've mentioned that back in Genesis 38 about Tamar or maybe, a, maybe, I didn't have the chance to go into that, but I think it's like in some ways, uh, as I was thinking about it, I don't think there is another like crystal clear example of like radical repentance in Genesis. We see some things happen. you see like Isaac trembles when he's kind of you know forgotten about uh, Jacob being the one who's supposed to be firstborn or you see Sarah yep. laughs and then later she you know names her kid you know she names Isaac in line with that. So you see like hints here and there and you see little examples, but nothing that's like decades spanning and like very, very clear. So I think it's really compelling.
1: Yeah, I think the one of the things I wanted people to see in the text, I mean, I as I walked through the text, I found six characteristics of repentance in the text itself, and we just kind of picked those out as we walked through the text. One was uh, repentance involves sorrow for sin. Yep. Two was it means we humble ourselves. Three means we acknowledge and admit our wrong. Four, It means we accept the consequences of our sin, which is an interesting one, since uh, God, if we come under the blood of Jesus and are in Christ, removes the eternal consequences of our sin. Right. But we could spend, that's one area that I would have spent more time on if I'd had more time. And five, it leads to a real change in heart and life, real change, not just a sin-repent cycle. And then number six, it isn't perfect. And in that, I tried to capture the fact that um, that was really the essence of it's not a one and done. It's not something you do at the beginning of your Christian life and never have to do again. And we all have experienced having to repent again (laughs) for new sins or the same old sins we've struggled with. There's a lot of that that goes on in our lives, and so just want to give people hope that yeah, yeah. repentance yeah. is not so. Oh, well, maybe I haven't repented if if I haven't completely changed in my first conviction. Yeah, you know? right, mm-hmm. right. So,
2: I thought that was so helpful. <clears throat> Excuse me the the six things that you pointed out, and then as you walked through the text, showing those in the story, and I thought it was hopeful that uh, it was realistic that this is not going to be a one-and-done thing, but also hopeful. And then especially when we saw the Judah at the end wanting to be the substitute, pointing to Christ as our substitute, it felt hopeful. And I appreciated just, I don't know, your wisdom and nuance as you talked about repentance. And I think some of that probably comes from being in ministry for many years, that um, it can be hard to trust people again that it's even if they have repented trust isn't just an automatic thing like oh joseph should just trust them and there's there hasn't been evidence of repentance so i don't know exactly how you said that but i felt like you alluded to that a little bit and so i just thought was really helpful and
0: i thought uh you know second corinthians 7 is often a text that i go to so you're bringing that up there's a worldly kind of sorrow that just leaves you stuck even if it produces some outward manifestation of sorrow uh, but then there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, sorrow over sin, uh, an eagerness, you know, in, in line with what you said. What, uh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you saying? So these six things, um, you know, as, as far as signs or ways to measure it, are these six se- like things, internal controls and considerations, or are they also external? Like, to be able to measure the repentance, like somebody comes, they've grievously sinned, and they're like, I repent. I just say the words, I'm sorry. Like, are those six things also how we would think about somebody else's repentance? Is there anything else that you'd say different about that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so, because that's what Joseph is doing here, right? He's testing for repentance. He's wanting to see whether there's any real change in his brothers. In one sense... We can't see into the hearts of other people right. to tell whether the repentance is genuine or not. Um, but I do think these give us some handholds maybe to, to look at and say, well, if we see some of these evidences, the same way we, we look for evidences when we're hearing somebody's testimony of salvation. We look for evidences mm-hmm. uh, that let us know they really understand the gospel right. and they understand what happened to them. And repentance would be included in that, that they've genuine, genuinely repented of sin. So we're looking for some of these kinds of signs. So, yes, the same thing would be true if we were bringing someone back into our fellowship who had been under church discipline. We would look for some signs of repentance. So hard to do because we're not able to see into their hearts the way God does, but uh, I think these are some external evidences that we can hang our hats on. Yeah
0: anything else that you wanted to maybe go into in the sermon and didn't have time to Uh, anything that you could have talked more about, you know, had we been at a different church where you could have preached for a couple hours, you know, puritanical (laughs) style, your preference, I'm sure. (laughs) Like
1: what would, uh, well, one area that I had to cut that I would have, and I'm sure Stacy would have loved it if I dwelt on this. I mean, toward the end, when I'm talking about application, I was really pretty heavy on the fact that we are guilty We are all guilty of sin before God. But I did have to cut out a paragraph where I talked about uh, real guilt and false guilt. So false guilt being an emotional feeling that you're guilty, maybe because somebody committed a sin against you. Mm -hmm. I I think here of a woman who's been raped or a child who's been molested or somebody's sinned against you in some way and you feel lingering guilt. Mm Mm-hmm over that even though you didn't commit this and it was done to you yeah um so i wanted to kind of cover that but you know you only have 35 or 40 minutes so you, something has to go but yep. I, I would have spent more time on true guilt and false guilt hmm. i guess is the way i would put it
0: yeah yeah no that would, that's a helpful comment and mm-hmm. something that uh i think really works well in the context of this all i think you could have even said like you know for, for somebody, we don't have evidence of this in the text, but certainly for somebody like Joseph, was so much done to him, though he was innocent. Uh, you know, the lingering thoughts of, what have I done? Perhaps, like that Job esque retributionalism, yep. um, like I must have done something wrong. We don't have any mm-hmm. evidence that was the case. I don't believe in scripture, but you could see it
1: potentially. Well, besides the fact in. that Joseph was. A pretty arrogant little snot. Well, year old I, 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 I heard what you said. I mean,
0: he was just—he te- was just saying what he saw. You know, it's like the Red Sox are better than the Yankees. Objective facts. Objective facts. Objective oh, okay. facts. So, well, Bruce, thanks so much for preaching. And uh, we just have a few more weeks in Genesis, and then we're done. I think we end to the first uh, Sunday of August, and then we're off to uh, other things on our way to uh, some other
1: exciting books. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Enjoy.